You're listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. To find out more about the Whole Vineyard Church, go to wholevineyard.co.uk. We're going to read from the Bible, so over to you, goodness. Um, so I'll be reading from Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 to 19. Um, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. What do you say I, say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Was it like World War Three getting to church for anyone else? Because it was like that in, in our household this morning. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, so good to see everyone um, today. Um, oh, it's going to be hard to get through this talk, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, had so long. Uh, I know we've met as a church in various ways. I know we've done so much online. And for those who are watching online, you know, so good to have you with us. Um, but yeah, this is a, uh, yeah, just an amazing moment um, for us to celebrate. And that's really what I want to talk about this morning with you, is just mark and celebrate the, the power of the gathered church. And I just want to take a couple of weeks over this, and then we've got uh, some baby dedications, and then uh, we're going to be launching a new series in the morning and evening on Book of Daniel and 1 Peter, uh, looking at what does it mean to be the church in exile uh, in these days. But I just want to celebrate and remind each other of why we do what we do today. Um, there was an opinion piece in the New York Times last month, and uh, I absolutely loved it. This is the secular press commenting on the gathered church. It says, Christians need to hear the babies crying in church. They need to see the reddened eyes of a friend across the aisle, they need to chat with the recovering drug addict who shows up early but still sits in the back row. They need to taste the bread and the wine. They need to feel the choir crescendo. I'm not saying we should get a choir, but there we go. Towards the assurance of hope in what our senses can't yet perceive. My daughter needs to know the church members, even if it means wearing masks. No doubt about it, one of the major things that God is doing in the church worldwide is pressing the reset button, pressing the reset button. And I don't know if you've ever had to do that, say, on your phone. I know on my iPhone, I've had to uh, do a master reset or what they call a factory reset, and they encourage you to back up your photos and your um, various things you've got on there because you can lose it with a factory or a master reset. And I think this last 18 months has given us as individuals, as people, as um, individuals and families, and also as a church, an opportunity to press the reset button. And in that, there's definitely been a, a stripping away, there's been a, a deleting of things that aren't really 
of value anymore. Uh, things like our preferences have been messed up with. Maybe you found some things this morning. It's like, oh, that's not quite how things used to be, or things are a little bit different. Some of our favorite things have, have gone, and maybe we struggle to let go of those things. But in the reset, and in the letting go, and the sifting, and the stripping, I think it's a tremendous opportunity for the church to get back to basics, to get back to our roots and our foundations. Why do we do what we do? And after the last 18 months of being away and not too much coming together, I think we need to press the reset button as to why do we gather? Why bother with gathering as a church community? Why is this so fundamental in the Bible, to God, to you and to me, it's absolutely the heart of the Christian faith. Why? Why is it so critical to our discipleship and to our present moment and to our future? Because the enemy is always trying to pull us apart. Pull us apart and it's so crucial for, especially as we kind of come into the post-pandemic era, to come together to fight the whispers of the enemy and that instinct that we all have for self-preservation and the multiple scripts and narratives of the world and be biblical disciples. We are, Joni and I, we are definitely committed to building a hybrid church of in-person and online. Uh, we know many who won't be here for quite a while who've spoken to Joni and I and still find this too difficult. And you need to know that is absolutely fine. For those watching online, for those who come in the room and this is being difficult, is that you need to go at the pace that's important for you. You need to decide for yourself what is comfortable for you. And all our actions uh, should speak volumes as to how much we're committed to building an online church with all the stuff that we have put out there and the investment and the resources. But the Bible is really clear about what a church is. The Greek word for church, ecclesia, is, simply means a gathered crowd. A gathered crowd. That's what church is. So I want to give you this morning a few really good whys. Why should the church gather? And this isn't about, as I say, our preferences. This isn't about uh, our, our favorite photo stream of captured memories. This is about now. What is God saying now through his word in our cultural moment so that we're filled with vision and passion to be together on this journey? The first thing, and it's kind of a bit of a repeat from a talk I did many months ago about why we should attend church, and it's simply this, encouragement. I don't know about you, but I've been starved of encouragement for many, many months. And what today has done for my soul personally has brought incredible encouragement. Does anyone else feel that level of encouragement in your heart? And in the midst of persecution, or for us, a pandemic, when we who are weak, and that is many of us in this room, where many of us are fighting personal battles and difficulties and challenges at the moment and struggles, and we don't feel like we have much to offer, just showing up time after time again, faithfully, is actually what a successful follower of Jesus looks like. It doesn't look like having everything together. It looks like I'm really struggling with some stuff, and yet I've turned up. And even if I don't have the strength to lift up my hand in worship, 
I'm going to faithfully show up. And that is a great encouragement to all of us. It's like we're trophies of grace, trophies of God's grace on our lives. And the encouragement in the Bible, especially in the book of Hebrews, is to keep doing what we're doing, to keep coming down this little back street called Vulcan Street, off Cliff Road, because we need each other. It's so easy, isn't it, particularly with online church, to become consumers of church, to pick and choose what we like and dislike. But one of the dangers of online church is, and often many conferences online, is that we think it's not meeting my needs. I'm not getting much out of this. Not too keen on the speaker. I'm not too keen on the pastoral care. I'm not too keen on the worship. And we become judges of these things. But actually, it's all about as we come down this back street called Vulcan Street, and we fill up a car park, and we look around the room, and we say, this is why I'm here, because I know what some of you are going through, and you just getting through today, getting out of the house, which even for us was a nightmare this morning. Everything that could go wrong went wrong. It was a battle. But it's a great encouragement to one another. You may feel like you don't have much to offer right now, and that is okay. You may feel weak and empty, and you're still grieving over things, and you're still disappointed. But just turning up is a witness to one another, but it is a blessing above all to Jesus. And that's why we're here. We're here for him, not to be entertained. We're here for him. And as I look at our church community, and I look at those who have the least to offer, they are the most encouraging. Some of you, for years, have battled all sorts of internal and personal battles. Turning up, being faithful, is the greatest encouragement. As we look around the room and as we worship, and as we pray, we prophesy, we take communion, it stops being about going to church, and we realize that we are the church and that we're in this together. The second thing is when we meet as the church gathered is to make the church visible to itself, is to make the church visible to itself. Think of a, a big extended family that gathers for a photograph at the end of their annual reunion. They take the picture so they can see themselves and they can remember the bond that they share as a family. Here's how theologian Everett Ferguson put it. He said this, in assembly the church becomes conscious of itself, confesses itself to be a distinct entity, shows itself to be what it is, a community of people gathered by the grace of God, dependent on him and honoring him. The assembly allows the church to emerge in its true nature. And this is what I see. When we gather, I see someone whose husband recently passed away she tears up while we sing about the goodness of God, like we sang this morning. The successful businessman in the back row is being discipled by someone who was furloughed. I see someone who came to faith this year while listening to a sermon online, and some of their family oppose their faith in Christ, and yet they gather with their new spiritual family every single Sunday. As I look across the gathering, I see believers who are helping one another follow Jesus through cancer and miscarriage and depression and addiction and persecution, and they're committed to do that in part by just assembling together. We're singing the same songs, 
confessing the same faith, the same creed, hearing the same scriptures read, and the same sermon preached, sharing the same bread and the same cup, praying for one another, being family, being home, with the absolute beauty of diversity that that brings. Ethnicity, age, background, whether you're married or single, with kids or no kids. A commitment to be the church. And you know what I've decided, guys, people, a lot of people have asked me, how did you feel about the relaunch today? And I was pretty relaxed about it because I've resolved in, in my life is that church isn't about a building. I know biblically we know that, but we've got to know that deep in our hearts. The church is people. And wherever people are, we're going to do church. I had an operation six weeks ago, and I'm on the road to recovery, and part of that is I go swimming, so I went for the first time swimming this week at Beverly Road Baths, and um, I prayed a prayer as I went in. I said, Lord, please don't let me do church in the sauna, because every time that happens, I nearly pass out. And uh, I, I, I have my swim, and I go in the sauna, and lo and behold, it's happening. There's a, an ex-drug addict. There's someone who uh, just got the all clear from cancer. There's a NHS mental health worker who is from the Congo who wants to share his story. And I'm sharing, and I have to interrupt myself. So I'm sorry, guys. I'm about to pass out. I need to get out of here. So they followed me into the shower. <laughs> I said, I need to go get my shower gel. So no need. We have shower gel. And they're squeezing it in my hand. I like, give me a break. <laughs> I think that's God's sense of humor to me, is that, you know, wherever we go, we're going to do church. We're going to be with people, and we're going to bear witness to him. That leads me to our third point, is that we're here to witness to the resurrected Christ. When we gather like this, we say to our community, we say to Hull and beyond, we say to our world, we're here because of the risen Jesus Christ. People today will go to their various temples and worship their various gods, but we're Christians. And Christians do what Christians do, which means gathering with other Christians as a remnant people, as a kingdom people here for the king. And we gather together and we say we're here because we've been marked by Jesus, the risen Jesus, and we're here for him, we're here for each other. Because he is alive, I now go and testify of this by meeting with one another. So important. Even on holiday, I was in uh, north of Bridlington over August. And on Sunday, I wanted to go to a local church and just bear witness to the resurrection with other believers. And what's interesting, just as something in parenthesis, as an aside, is that, do you know, I, I went there and I was actually quite anxious about going to another church. You forget what it means to be a, a punter. <laughs> Especially as a pastor, I, I think the kind of church that a pastor wants to lead is the kind of one that he would love to go to. And just sat there at the back with my, you know, just my thoughts today. I was like, this is the kind of church I'd like to go to. And so I went, and I was a bit anxious, and I, I took a step back, and I went for another walk for five more minutes before I went to the church. It's like for a moment, God just like transported me into the shoes of people who don't normally go to church. Those who don't know Jesus, the unchurched in our city, of which there are 
tens and tens of thousands that we need to reach. And I'm thinking, gosh, I'm a pastor and I'm feeling a little bit on edge. You know, what to expect? What's it going to be like with the, the COVID thing? Do they have kids ministry? I mean, all these questions. You know, am I going to impose because I'm a, a pastor? I mean, all these things. And, and I wanted to time it right. I didn't want to be late because that's disrespectful. I didn't want to be too early. And they have to talk to me. And dis- <laughs> Anyone else feel like that? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going through all of this. And... Um, Oh man, just a beautiful service, just thick with the presence of the Holy Spirit, and just beautiful. Not many there, it's about 30 of them. And but it made me realize how many people who come here, this is a big thing for them. And that's one of the main reasons we redid the cafe, because we want to communicate that this is home. You have a welcome here. And I know this morning won't have been perfect with various things, but let's have grace for one another. Let's go on the journey together. We will have to have grace in this season. But we're here to, to witness to the resurrected Jesus. But our ultimate reason is for worship. We gather because this is about him. What is happening in heaven right now? Before the throne, worship. It says in the book of Revelation, in a loud voice they were saying, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And our meetings are to be a mirror of that church gathering in heaven. Worship is the reason for our meeting too. It's a place to begin practicing it, what is to come, what we will be doing because Christ is among us. This is a local embassy of God's kingdom, the gathered church. How? By the Spirit. Paul says to the church in Corinth that we now, body of Christ, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's why it's so unique that when we gather like this, the presence of the Holy Spirit is among us in a unique and special way because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And it's like taking one burning coal and adding together several burning coals and you have a great fire And that's what Jesus is doing among us by his spirit now. That's why he says, where two or three are gathered, there I am. That's where we collectively sing. That's where we study God's word. This is where we pray. He is our king. He is establishing his kingdom. And it's a people for himself. Fifthly, it's an event. When we gather, we need to realize that this is a distinct, unique event. And this is why the New Testament writers instruct churches to do activities that can only be done by meeting together. And if you ever notice that the, the encouragement in the New Testament is not to gather based on our opinions, because they all differ, but it's to be practice-based. That is where we gather our unity from, by doing practices together. So it talks about teaching and admonishing one another, about singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, reading scripture publicly about church discipline, encouraging one another, sharing the Lord's Supper. None of this happens in a vacuum. None of this happens online. This happens as we gather together. And finally, going back to the scripture reading that goodness shared with us, Jesus used the term church as recorded in that passage. He says, on this rock I will build my church. 
on this rock I'll build my church. And we need to understand that Jesus hasn't plucked this idea of calling a group of people meeting around a rock from thin air because God had already done this in the Old Testament. The scene is Mount Sinai or sometimes called Horeb. And this is a place where God had called his people, gathered them, an assembly of people. And at this um, meeting, at this gathering, they receive God's word and they recognize that God is God and we belong to him and he would be among them. And when we turn to uh, chapter 17 of the book of Exodus, God says, I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. And Moses, if you remember, if you're familiar with the story, is to strike the rock and water will come out of it for people to drink. So the place where God's people are together, the church, is in front of this rock called Horeb or Sinai. What Jesus says in verse 18 is a better translation here. And I tell you that you are Peter, and before this rock I will build my church. And just to, to add in there, the Greek word for rock is petro, refers to a solid mass of rock, like a cliff face. And Peter, petros, means a stone, a fragment of that rock mass. And so as Peter is the first to acknowledge Jesus as the Christ, God's saving king, by that profession, he becomes part of the rock united to Christ. This is a similar picture of what it means to be the body of Christ. So the rock is not Peter, nor his faith, nor his statement, but Jesus himself. And in Exodus 17, Moses is to literally smite the rock, the rock being the place of God's presence. And the picture here is of Jesus, the rock is similarly struck in our place at the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago so that we might be saved. Just as that water came out of Sinai, so the cleansing power flows from Jesus, the rock, and is applied to our hearts by the Spirit, symbolized as water. Think, as we close, of the parallels. This isn't just turning up to church. The Lord gathers his people before himself at the rock of Sinai, at Sinai. His proximity to the rock is so close that to strike the rock is tantamount to striking him. And as the smiting takes place, life-giving water flows to the sinful Israelites and his people are saved. Jesus, now, who is God, gathers his people before him, the church. And those who believe in him are to be the Christ, like Peter and the other disciples. And this rock is to be struck down for sinners who are then cleansed and given life by the Holy Spirit, which flows from him. Beautiful picture of church and the meaning and the power and the reason why that God places on why the church needs to gather. So I'd love for us to pray now. So I could just invite Joni up. We're going to pray together. So why don't you stand and... Um, Again, this is a bit of a journey. I've had many people and many leaders over the weeks say, are we going to do ministry? <laughs> and of course, we've not been able to do ministry just um, again, as normal like we used to. So this will be a journey for many of us. I think it's helpful having the bracelets because I'm guessing if you're green and you want ministry, you won't mind coming forward. Um, but equally, we don't want to 
discount those who may struggle to come forward. So we want to ask that the Lord will minister to you right where you are. Um, before we pray, uh, I think just from us two, we want to say to you just again, be encouraged to take your time on this journey. I know for some of you this, this morning would have been difficult. And so thank you. Thank you for taking that step. This isn't about Christians who are strong and who are weak. It's not that at all. That is not what this is about. Just because I have a green bracelet, oh, I'm, I'm strong in the Lord. It's not that at all. And we have our own concerns. Oh, you may not have known Jenny's pregnant. Uh, <laughs> some people were saying congratulations to her. I was like, I... <laughs> yeah, so we, uh, 22 weeks. Um, so we're excited about that. And, um, but yeah, we've had to journey through all of that and what that means and do you get the jab, do you not get the jab and change their minds all the time. And, um, so we're all wrestling with things. And so I want to say thank you for coming. Let's have grace for one another on the journey. I'm sure we'll, we'll have a meetings this week and we'll go, okay, we need to adjust this and adjust that. And, um, but let's have grace for one another. Um, so let's pray. Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. We would love to connect with you and welcome you home to church. To find out more, go to wholevineyard.co.uk forward slash connect. And stay up to date with all that is going on in the life of our church. Go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash church news and sign up for our weekly mailing. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you soon.